0: You have your Bibles this morning. I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, uh, Mark, Mark chapter 14. Uh, and we're going to start reading in verse 32 this morning. As we're working our way through uh, the Gospel of Mark, we're getting toward the end uh, of the story. And um, you know, Jesus has been uh, preaching and teaching for about three years or so. Uh, at this point, and had uh, 12 disciples that he's called, and trained, and uh, mentored, uh, and he's been telling, uh, and then thousands of people that have flocked around to listen to him, he's been saying, listen, I've come for a purpose, uh, and it's to bring redemption, and the story is about to get real uh, with the passage that we're going to read today, last week Uh, You'll remember the first part of chapter 14 was uh, the Lord's Supper, the Lord um, celebrating the Passover with his disciples. Um, And then when the supper was over is where we pick up uh, the story this morning. Uh, Jesus had been telling them he came for a purpose and has been uh, laying hints uh, that he was the promised Messiah, the one that God had told through the prophets and through uh, you know, preachers countless ages ago that Jesus had a mission to fulfill and he was going to fulfill it. And the time of that fulfillment uh, is now at hand. Uh, it's one thing to hear about, it is a whole other thing to actually for it to be here. not like you... Uh, had some medical procedures over the last year, and uh, I'm so thankful that I'm doing better and for the Lord, how the Lord has, has touched my body and helped bring healing and uh, how in each of those situations God had just the right doctor um, that had the right skills and knowledge to do what they needed to do to help me uh, to get better. Um, my, my last thing was this pacemaker, and your heart is a serious thing. And so it was one thing when I sat in her office and she said, all right, uh, you know, we know God made you, but sometimes because of sin, and this is where her words, uh, our bodies don't work the way they're supposed to. uh, And your sinus node in your heart that's supposed to keep things regular doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And so we've got to help it out. Well, that was one thing to hear that, and she explained what she was going to do, and, uh, you know, it wasn't going to be that major of a thing, and I said, well, it's not major to you, because you ain't getting it done on you, but uh, you're going around messing with my heart, Uh, so it's major to me, but it was a totally different thing from sitting in her office hearing about what she was going to do to that morning when I went to St. Dominic's Hospital, then it hit me, they're going to cut open. they're going to go messing around in my heart uh, and I knew the Lord you know, was going to look after me I prayed you know, had faith and confidence in him and I prayed for the doctor and she was a good Christian lady uh, and by the way I'm thankful that there's some men and women in medicine that God's given some knowledge and gifts and abilities uh, and I'm thankful for good godly uh, doctors that I have that, that help uh, take care of me uh, that 's just a and a side note it 's one thing to hear it 's another thing when the day arrives. Well, the day of jesus 's betrayal has now arrived, and the whole reason for him coming was about to be realized and uh, it 's what we uh, pick up this morning, getting in verse thirty two says they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples. Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. He began to be troubled and deeply distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed, that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer him. And then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given them a signal, saying, Whoever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. As soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. They laid their hands on him and took him. And one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered and said to them, Have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then they all forsook him and fled. Now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body, and the young man laid hold of him. And he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. What a perplexing story. These events were about to set in motion an event that was going to change the course of human history forever. And yet, many didn't realize it. Many knew it, but didn't care. They just wanted Jesus gone. And so Jesus gets a, he just celebrated the Passover, is now uh, gone into uh, the place that's called Gethsemane, which is Hebrew, it's oil press. It's on the Mount of Olives, where they would take the olives to press out and make the olive oil. Uh, and remember, he was staying uh, there in Bethany, so he was on the way uh, back um, from Jerusalem where he had just celebrated the Passover. And he takes his disciples and said, let's pause here. And so he leaves eight of his disciples and takes Peter, James, and John, who are the inner three circle, if you will, of, of Jesus, and they went a little bit further. And Jesus said, stay here and pray while I go a little bit farther and pray. And so uh, several things from these verses that we want to pick out as this story begins to unfold and, and, and the, the betrayal of Jesus uh, is upon us. So the first thing that I want us to talk about this morning is a very real task. Jesus had a task that he knew that he had to come and accomplish. Or there's no way it could be accomplished. Jesus knew the reason he had come was to be the atoning sacrifice. The sinless lamb that would be slain for the sin of the world. Jesus knew that and he knew that his hour had come he knew that judas was going to betray him and he sees jesus or judas coming at the toward the end of this story so jesus had a task and it was an insurmountable task it was a difficult task it was a task that just he as he went to pray he says he became distressed he became anxious within himself Because he knew the hour was coming. He knew what was going to be accomplished. But I I want to suggest to us it probably was not the, the task that had him so worried. I think what had him so worried was knowing that he was about to take the sin of all the world upon him. He who knew no sin was about to become sin. so that by his sacrifice, by the shedding of innocent blood, the sin debt of all whosoever's in the world could be paid. He knew that, and my goodness, what a weighty thing to know. But I think what really, he knew how serious sin was. And he knew that as that sin came upon him, that the Father would turn his back on him. And that's what disturbed him more than anything else. And so Jesus prays a prayer. He says, "Not this, if it's possible. let's find another way, but not my will, but yours be done." She said, "I'm committed, and I'm surrendered to do what I know needs to be done." But there's another very real task that, that Jesus had accomplished, but Jesus gave his disciples. A task as well. Jesus is going to accomplish his task. The disciples failed miserably again. Jesus said to these eight, stay here and pray. He took Peter, James, and John a little further said, stay here, pray and watch. In other words, you be praying, you be on guard for uh, the things that are about to take place. And he went a little farther. He falls down and bears his heart. And he cries out, Abba, Father. It's the only time in the Gospel of Mark uh, that that Jesus uses that address. It's the most personal address. It shows the, the very close and family relationship that Jesus had to the Father. And he poured his heart out to him. And then he comes back, and he finds his three sleep. He says, Peter, can't you numbskulls even stay awake for one hour? Don't you understand? Don't you get the, the gravity of what's about to take place? Now, it was getting late. He so said, Jesus says, stay awake, pray, watch. And he goes and he prays again. The same thing Mark tells us. And he comes back and he finds the heavy-eyed disciples again. And this time they, they don't know how to answer him. Jesus knew what was about to take place. The disciples didn't have a clue. And so they were unconcerned and unprepared for the task that Jesus had asked them to do. All Jesus did was simply ask them to pray and be on alert. And they didn't do it probably thinking, oh, I've got ages to get ready for that. But Jesus knew in just a few minutes his betrayer named Jesus was coming with a a thug army that was going to arrest Jesus and take him away. So the task for both of these groups was very real and very important. They had both been prepared for the task. They'd both been given the task. But only Jesus succeeded in the task. The others... Woefully unaware. And perhaps the the reason is, Jesus tells us, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Remember, Peter had just said to Jesus, I will not deny you. And Jesus tells them at the Passover supper, all of you are going to leave me. Peter speaks of not me, Lord. I ain't going nowhere. Jesus said to Peter, Before the rooster crows, in other words, before morning time comes, you'll have denied me three times this very night. And that is what happens. But if we think about it, that that real task also leads us to the second thing, and it's a real betrayal. Peter had said, I'm not going to desert you. But when Jesus called on to do something, they didn't do it. They knew what they were supposed to do, but they just didn't do it. So though Peter had denied Jesus, knowing Jesus three times, he really had betrayed Jesus even before then, because he betrays him in this garden of Gethsemane. And he says, Lord, I know you wanted us to pray, but we're just too tired. We've got other stuff to think about and other stuff to do. Judas walked with Jesus for three years. Had done ministry and listened to all of Jesus' teachings. And even comes up to him in this last time and calls him wrath. Teacher, teacher. Judas knew Jesus was who he said he was. The high priest, by the way, knew Jesus was who he said he was. And the scribes and the other leaders in the synagogue knew Jesus was who he said that he was. And it threatened their power and their tradition, and they weren't about to have any of that, and so they were going to do whatever it took to get rid of him. But again, to remind us that by them in their conniving and their schemes to get rid of Jesus, really were fulfilling God's plan all along. Because from all along, the plan had been that the Redeemer would come and shed his blood for uh, centuries before Jesus would come. The prophet Isaiah says that, the, the Lamb of God would come and be slain for the sin of the world and that by His stripes we would be healed foreshadowing shadowing Jesus' uh, horrible treatment in the coming days of the gospel. So this betrayal was very real. It was a betrayal of, Friends, you know, it's, it, it's one thing when somebody that you don't like and doesn't like you does something to hurt you. You kind of expect that. And you don't really take it personally and you just move on. But when somebody that you thought was your friend, when they wound you, don't those wound wounds hurt deeply? They absolutely do. And Peter and James and John had been given just a simple task, just to pray. And they couldn't do it. They thought, well, we're kind of tired. We we just finished the Passover and tomorrow's coming and we've got a lot to do tomorrow. We'll pray tomorrow. I tell you that when God gives you something to do, you do it right when he gives you opportunity to do it. Because we're not promised tomorrow. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. There's not one here that knows when your time for this life to end is. I can assure you an end is going to come, but you don't know the day or the hour. God does, though. But you don't. And so it's a reminder that we should not take for granted the time that we have. And when God has given us something to do, we need to be serious about doing it. Now, here's the thing, though. Peter denied Jesus tons of times. He even uh, betrays Jesus, who had talked about peace. And, uh, you know, Peter uh, took one of the swords. We know it. He doesn't mention it here uh, in Mark, but one of the other Gospels tells us it was Peter that chopped off the servant's ear. Luke tells us the servant's name was Malchus. How he got his ear, I don't know. Perhaps he was aiming to chop his head off, and he moved, and so he got his ear. But Luke tells us that Jesus reprimands Peter and takes that ear that was chopped off and puts it back and heals it. Could Jesus have avoided this crowd? He he could have easily. Could he have overpowered them? He could have done that too. Because he was much stronger. They had swords. He had no sword. But he was God and he had all power. He could have defeated them. They said, listen, why have you come with swords and clubs? What are you doing? Am I a criminal that you're coming... To arrest he said, "I've been among you. I was just at the synagogue, and I taught among you and we ate together, and we did life together. You didn't bother me then. They didn't need the swords and clothes because Jesus would have went willingly with them. So we find a real task. And we find a real betrayal. But then I want us to see lastly and perhaps most importantly that we have a real example. A real example of what it means to be sold out to God and willing to do whatever God asks. Because, you know what, sometimes God asks us to do things that are little. Sometimes God asks us to do very important big things. But can I tell you something God knows? That if you are not faithful to do the little things, you're not going to be faithful in the big things either. He's not going to trust you with big things if you can't handle the little things. Peter talked a a big game. But when push came to shove and it came time to put the, the wheels to the road, Peter failed. And in fact, Mark tells us that as they led Jesus away, they came and arrested him. All of the disciples, all 12 of them, left. They scattered. They were gone. Now, we have no indication from any of the Gospels that any of the disciples were... Subject to the arrest of these crowds. They were only after Jesus. But the disciples were fearful. Judas was remorseful because of what he had done. I don't think he truly repented. I think if he had, Jesus would have forgave him. I don't know that I would have, but thankfully I'm not God. And God's a lot more forgiving and a lot more patient than I ever will be. Or that you will ever be. But we find here a real example in Jesus. Because he did. He bore his soul before the Lord. And then said, you know, I really am not all that excited now that it's time. Don't really want to do it. But I'll do it. Here's a, you know, so God will give you tasks. And when God gives you a task, he doesn't mean for you to put it off. He doesn't mean for you to shirk the responsibility of doing it. He means for you to do it. And so when he had told the disciples, we he told Peter, James, and John to sit here and pray and watch, that's what he meant for them to do. Not rest and close their eyes and take a power nap. Here's the thing, and here's the example that Jesus is trying to teach us as we go through this passage. It's not by our determination. And it's not even by our desire. Because if you're... Listen, there are a lot of people that have sincere desires to do good, but will spend eternity in hell because it's not your desires and your intentions that determine your eternal destiny what determines your eternal destiny is what you've done with jesus not what you thought about doing with jesus not what you intended to do with jesus but what you did with jesus said listen the the spirit is willing he's not talking about man's spirit I i think he's talking about the holy spirit the holy spirit of god is willing that you accomplish and do what god wants you to do and And Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When the Holy Spirit that lives within us as a believer, we can accomplish the things that God intends for us to do, but without the Holy Spirit's help, we can't do much. In fact, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, without me you can do no good thing. But praise God, with him, we can do all things. And because of the Holy Spirit's help in coming to to meet the Son, Jesus, in these last days, Jesus was able to accomplish what he was sent to do. He was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to do whatever was necessary to accomplish what God had sent him to do. But he reminds the disciples, and I think he reminds us today, you can't do it on your own. If Jesus needed to pray, and he needed the enabling help of the Holy Spirit, you better understand, my friends, you needed a lot more. And so that also means you need a lot more practice praying than Jesus did. You need a lot more practice serving the Lord and doing what God has said. Because this is the thing. We do one thing that God gives us to do. God has said, good job. Go sit on the bench. You've done your due. Now that's the way we behave a lot of times. But that's not what Jesus' example was. Jesus accomplished what he was sent to do. And still today, the scriptures say that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for us and holding this world together. And so he's still actively involved in our world today. But here's the thing. When God gives us a task to do, we need to do it. But here's the thing. When we do one thing, then God's going to give us something else to do. I tell you that there's no such thing as a retirement plan from the kingdom of God. You're never able to say, well, I've served the Lord for years and years. I'm done. But as long as you're breathing, as long as you're above dirt, there's things God intends for you to do for Him. Now, you may not be able to do the same things you used to do when you were younger, but there's things you can do to serve the Lord. And there's things that God will continually give you to do for him. We can't just say, well, I did one thing for the Lord. I'm done. I've paid my dues. Time for somebody else to do the rest. Thankful that God does not, listen, his plan does not depend upon any one of us. But praise God, every one of us have a part to play in God's great plan and God's great design for this world. That he wants to use us and he will use us. If we'll say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And we depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Because if we depend on our own strength, we are doomed to fail before we even start. We might as well not even go out onto the field. But with God on our side, there is nothing that God asks you to do that you can't accomplish. Because it's not your strength that gets it accomplished. It's His. And so there's nothing He can't do, including taking on the sin debt of all the world that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord should be saved. I'm thankful that I'm part of that whosoever. I hope you're thankful you're part of that whosoever. We do not have to earn our way to heaven. We can't be good enough. We can't buy it. We can't sacrifice enough. We can't pray enough. We can't do nothing we can do to get there. But here's the thing, we don't have to do anything to get there because our ticket's already been bought and paid for. We just have to take the ticket. And that ticket is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But here's the thing, when we get that ticket, we don't become spectators in the Colosseum. We become players on the field. The spectators, we use the, the... Wonderful example from the writer here is that we are encompassed about by a great cloud of witnesses in the stadium of life. Those that have gone on before us, the saints that have passed from this life to the next, are the ones in the stadium. But while we still have breath, while we're above dirt, we're players on the field. And there's things the Lord has for us to do. And so Jesus' example is this hey, it's getting real. It's time for you to get busy and do what I told you to do. Quit taking a nap, quit putting it off, and just do it. But here's the thing it's not really you doing it, it's Him doing it through you. So, will you follow His example? You say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. We can make determinations just like Peter made the declaration, Lord, I'll never forsake you. I will serve you. I will defend you to the death. And then when push comes to shove, when that crowd came to arrest Jesus, Peter was out the door. One man who, Mark is the only one that mentions him, this young man who had a outer garment on. Just late night, he probably had something we might call pajamas, and so we might have had a, pajamas on. And he, naked in uh, the Bible doesn't always mean naked; sometimes it does, but not always. If somebody was considered naked, if they didn't, if they weren't fully dressed, and so uh, you know, they could have grabbed this young man's coat to why? We don't know why. But even he deserted Jesus. He got, he got out of there. And so when the Lord comes calling, are you going to run away naked? Or are you going to say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done? Or are you going to say, Lord, let's go? Let's see what you can do and what you want to accomplish. Because the choice really is ours. Jesus shows that example when he prays, not my will, but yours be done. And he goes willingly along with this crowd so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Because that's why he came. You also have a reason, a purpose, a task that the Lord has for you. It's a task that you can't accomplish on your own, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can accomplish it. And so Jesus says, you know what, church, it's getting real. I'm getting ready to come back. And listen, as we watch the mess going on in our world, and preachers have been preaching it for thousands of years, uh, that Jesus was coming back, I can tell you this, it's a whole lot closer today than it was 10 years ago. In fact, it's a closer today than it was yesterday. This world is getting in worse and worse shape, not better shape. And by the way, Scripture says that's what would happen and it would only get worse as the day of the Lord approached. It would continue to get worse. And so, church, Jesus says to us, be ready. There's a task. There's, you make sure you're ready, that you're praying and that you're doing what I've told you to do, but also understand there are people all around you that are lost and are going to spend eternity in hell because they haven't gotten the ticket because they've not heard. And so Jesus says to us, go make sure they hear. You go and you you tell. Church, the days are getting shorter. We don't know the day or the hour. But I can tell you this, he's coming back. And I know I want to be ready. I hope you want to be ready. And I know I don't want him to find me re- rusted out or laying out. I want him to find me working for him and doing what he's asked me to do. We are not going to have an opportunity to say, Well, Lord, hey, you've given me this due. I haven't done it yet. Let me hurry up and get it done. Because when it's time to go, it's time to go. And so let's follow Jesus' example, understand it's getting real, and accomplish what he's given us to do. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, we thank you for your obedience and for your example. Lord, if there's one here today that's never trusted in you, would you help them today to receive a free gift that you paid on the cross of Calvary? nearly 2,000 years ago. Lord, would you help us that have made that decision to understand that we have a part to play in your plan. Help us to be busy about doing what you've asked us to do. Lord, help us to understand that it is hard sometimes to serve you. And it's discouraging sometimes. But we must serve you. And the only way we can accomplish what you've called us to and what you've created us for is by the power of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, let that power rise up in us that we might accomplish what you have for us. And we'll praise you, it in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this. Him and the invitation, if God spoke into your heart and there's a decision that you need to make today, this would be a great day and a great time to make that choice for the Lord.